Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, welcome to the Football Writers Podcast. My name's Mike Calvin. I'm joined by Jonathan Northcroft of the Sunday Times and Dominic Fifield of The Guardian. The word from Manchester City is that Pep Guardiola is unsackable. No surprise there then. With games against Arsenal and Chelsea to come in four hectic days, I suppose the question is, should he be doing better? What do you think, Jonathan? He should. I mean, there's been signs with Pep that uh, he, you know, he's got these touches of genius that Manchester City spent six, seven years trying to acquire. I think some of the attacking play has been terrific at times. He's got great ideas uh, tactically. You can see the blueprint fast players. Players are great at one-on-one situations, possession game. But there's other basic, basic things that are wrong with that City team. And I know he's new to English football, but there's some very obvious things that you'd expect a good coach to to address that he's not addressing at the moment. It's going to be fascinating how it turns out because he doesn't show any signs of curbing his own beliefs in romanticism and I feel he's going to have to do some of that if he's going to to succeed. So that will mean wholesale changed on. In that sense, are these games coming up, the Arsenal game and the Chelsea game, almost the ultimate audition for next season? I don't know if you can say that in as much as so many people will leave City in the summer. You know, so these guys who, who take to the pitch at, at Arsenal and Chelsea, a lot of them won't be there next season, so they're not auditioning for, for City as such. I mean, they've got four or five out of contract. Other players like Kolarov have got a year left. I mean, you can't see these guys mm. having a future mm. um, at City, even under Pep. So it sort of revolves around the back line, the full-backs at least well, probably two centre-halves they probably mm. need to add in the summer. Um, maybe a goalkeeper as well. Defensive midfielder. <laughs> Defensive midfielder, yeah. absolutely. We should probably be patient and judge you know, Guardiola at this time next year when, when the, the additions he's made in the, in the coming summer um, have, have had a chance to make an impact. I do think he should have done better with what he's got and he should have recognised some of these flaws earlier and, and pushed for, for different signings in. But... He's working with what he's got, and I don't think the stuff at the back, the players at the back are good enough. Mm, what about, how many do you think are on his shopping list? You know, there's a lot of talk about Danny Rose. Yeah. 50 million, is that feasible? Yeah. Well, 
it, it's feasible city or bid 50 million my goodness you know paid 42 million for Mangala and Rose is 74 <laughs> times a player but um, whether Spurs even at 50 million would, would sell I'm not sure because it's not really a seller's market anymore you, you keep your good players the concern for City actually is that given their transfer record given what the Spanish executives have, have done so far in the market is 200 million enough and is 250 million enough because they're, they're quite capable of, of squandering a, a degree of that money I mean I think when Pep arrived he, he said to people he needed 10 signings I think he's only had 5 so far They've been at the front end of the pitch, so it's obvious the, the next ones are going to be at the, at the back. But as I say, the amount of surgery needed and the, the money might not necessarily do it all for City if, unless they can Im improve that, that recruitment strategy. Yeah, to that point, you know, Isco has long been a favourite of Guardiola. Real Madrid are talking about offering him a six-year contract. Are they likely to get him? Because you need players of that quality to make the statement that Guardiola requires. Yeah, but he shouldn't be a priority. Mm. I mean, they've got so many good players. As we, that, that's been the one thing that, we, yeah. that, that we've enjoyed watching City about this season. They're, they're attacking play, even with, with Jesus in there as well. and they, they, They've been fantastic There's going forward. There's more talk of like, Kingsley Coleman, Coleman for instance, Yeah, right? I mean, great. I mean, he would fit the blueprint in terms of the long term as well, but... He's, he's not an urgent requirement. What they need, they're, they're losing, what, Clichy, Sanya, Zavaleta yeah, at fullback yeah, yeah. out of contract, oh, yeah. all gone. Centre-halves, just not good enough. You presume they're going to keep John Stones and, yeah. and stick with that, but they've got to add two, two centre-halves of, of proper quality alongside them. The goalkeeping situation has been a farcical all season. Clearly, Joe Hart has no future there. Caballero is probably a backup. Yeah. Um, they, they need to address that. Claudio Bravo isn't, isn't good enough defensive midfielder as you say I mean it's the type of thing that they could go they, they, they could do worse than, than going back to Monaco yeah. and buying half their team <laughs> although that's probably enough, what's going to happen though isn't but, it when you think yeah. of you know, Mendy and but the weird Silva thing is people that like that Monaco yeah. in France Monaco are obviously recognised as this great attacking team but defensively they're not seen as all that Mendy has had some fantastic that's games right. he's had some shockers as yeah. well um, Sidibe's the same yeah it? exactly yeah. so, so it's, it's, he's going to have to He's going to have to look properly out in the market and finding players that are going to be consistent and who are going to hit the ground running next season. I mean, one, one thing I don't understand is, given how much surgery he needs, why then create problems for yourself by creating the goalkeeping situation? Just stick with your heart. If that's something you want to do, do it somewhere down the line. I think the same with Yaya Toure, actually. I, I, I don't understand why he hasn't just been given another year's contract. That, that, that situation, I think, is broken now. I, I don't see him staying on. Uh, but Guardiola had to go back to him after trying to throw him out into the training with the kids at one point. You know, when there's so many other things that you need to yeah. do at your team, why take two really good established players and make problems out of them as well? You could say the same for, for the Aguero situation. Aguero. Why, why rile that? I mean, he's a player, he's a world-class player. You don't want to be having to find another yeah. centre-forward for £150 million. Yeah. Pounds, and he's also shown signs yeah. of showing respect by actually adapting his game. Yeah. yeah, and his record is still phenomenal. I mean... Ooh. After that Monaco game, I was lucky enough to, to be there for the second leg. Um, Guardiola walked into the press conference and, and refused to criticise his defence, which had been ripped to pieces at times, and said that actually the yeah. fault for the elimination was at the front end of the pitch, they didn't take enough chances. But the reality was, Aguero probably only had one or two yeah. chances in that second game and scored one of them. Oh no, he, sorry, Asana got the goal, didn't he? But he wasn't actually in the positions to, to register the goals. Yeah. It's the wide players who are missing these chances. Mm. Um, 
he, Guerrero is such good quality, you can't afford to be losing him as well if you're going to have this massive, massive reshaping of your back line. Yeah, so given all the weaknesses we tend to agree on, is this team capable of ruining, ruining another of Arsene Wenger's days? Well, they are because, you know, Arsenal are more flawed than Manchester City. And I think we saw in the last game between the two teams, you know, it, it, it summed them up. I think City were really open at the back, conceded early, but then Arsenal didn't have the, the mental capabilities to, to see out the game and, and collapsed. And I, I do think Arsenal have probably regressed since then. That was December. They've probably got, got worse. Um, I would put City favourites for this game, flaws and all. It'll be a bit like City v Liverpool, which we saw the other week, which was two teams that are better going forward than, than they are anything else. But I think City are that much better than Arsenal. That I, I would be surprised, actually, if Arsenal got a result. It'll be a poisonous atmosphere, won't it? It'll just be the usual Arsenal atmosphere, to be honest. <laughs> Probably be planes flying over yeah. and all the... Well, all that's that an exclusion zone, they can't do it. <laughs> Thankfully. <laughs> it's... Uh, it, it, look, it, it won't be it won't be a good atmosphere if, if Arsenal's form is maintained. It's it's been dismal for a while, um, and City potentially could run riot. I mean, they could mm. if, if they clicked. They they could they could rip them to pieces. But then you can never tell with Arsenal. I yeah. mean, this is about the time of season where you know, that time of the year where they suddenly spark into life, and, yeah. and they're going to have to if they want to get into that back into that top mm. four because they're falling falling behind. Worst run since. April 95, when Stuart Houston was in charge. Mm. A lot of talk about Thierry Henry as an Arsenal manager in waiting. What do you make of that? Oh, that's, I mean, I, f I find that remarkably um, premature because Henry hasn't embarked on any kind of coaching career. And surely we know enough now about top level coaching in the modern world to know that you have to be a serious individual who served their time. Henry might have it in him. But, you know, that's that's 10 years down the line. If Arsenal really want to go and compete for the Premier League again and compete for, for Champions League, they, they've got to... They've, they've, well, they, I think they need to change a manager and I think they've got to go for the very best, just like they do with with players. And just like that, that situation, it'll come down to what they're, they're willing to spend. I mean, uh, it's just this Arsenal status. Do they have the ambition to try and recruit one of the top managers if Fenger went? Not sure. So we're beyond the evolution. It's got to be revolution, Don. Yes. Um, well, I think ultimately it has to be yes. But I don't think Arsene Wenger will instigate no. revolution. No. He doesn't do that. So um, if he signs a new contract, whether it be one year or two years, um, I, I suspect that the team will continue to evolve slowly over mm. that period, and then the revolution comes when, as you say, when there is a change of management. Um, but the biggest, the, the biggest shift at, at Arsenal this summer, on the assumption that Wenger is more likely to stay than, than go, will actually be if they fail to reach the top four and they don't have Champions League football next season. And in some ways, although that, they, that's sort of put up there as a disaster and you know, catastrophe, catastrophe, whatever, it's not, it's not actually. It might actually kickstart a, a league challenge next year. Because mm. the, you know, the money available from the Premier League is huge. Mm. Is it enough, though, for our top clubs to protect their top players? I'm thinking of Chelsea here. Yeah. Real Madrid have been coveting Courtois, Hazard. Hazard yeah. Are Chelsea in a position to fight that off? 
Well, Real Madrid, is a, they kind of break any rules for you, don't they? So do Barcelona, uh, because they have this romantic appeal for, for players that, that maybe supersedes money. I'm sure that Chelsea could financially make it worth Eden Hazard's while to, to stay and rival anything Real Madrid do. But, you know, the, the campaign for them getting Hazard started two or three years ago when, when Zinedine Zidane started talking about how, how great he was and playing on the heartstrings. And it's that problem, you know, when, when Real or Barca want you, it, it does tend to, to turn a player's head. But United did it with David De Gea, so it is possible for them. Um, it's... Uh, Hazard looks more happy than he has done for, for quite a long time too. I, I think he'll be a Real Madrid player at some point, but I think this year maybe not. I think maybe, maybe that's still one for the future. There's a lot of inevitable chatter about who Chelsea might take in return, almost like in a swap deal. Mm -hmm. uh, Alvaro Morata's been spoken of. Swap deals really don't happen, though, no. no, don't. And Morata is a player that they came close to signing last summer, and I fully expect him to come mm. in the summer again. I think... Chelsea will probably end, end up signing two forwards, quite high-profile ones. I mean, Lukaku being the obvious other mm. one. Um, on the assumption that Diego Costa does move on, and to be honest, every time he goes off on international <laughs> duty or even has a break, he just goes and tells <laughs> all manner of media who he's going to join. It was three French clubs um, yeah. earlier this week. Um, so look, they, they will strengthen. They will add in midfield as well. I think Bakayoko at um, Monaco yeah. is another player that I like. Mm. Um, at the back, they'll bring in at least one more as well. Um, and they'll because they'll have to flesh out the squad in terms of quality ahead of the Champions League next year. It's a different, completely different type of campaign for for Conte next season. Um, and just on 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 Hazard um, and Courtois, I, I agree with Johnny. I don't think there's any chance of either those two ending up at the Bernabeu this summer. Uh, maybe in the future at some mm. point. But I, I imagine I, I would I would I would reckon that they'll both will sign new contracts at Chelsea yeah. first. Right. Almost don't need to ask this question, but do you expect them to get the title sooner rather than later? Yeah, they've been so far better than, than everyone else. The performance level isn't isn't dropping, and the the rivals are playing each other. So so yeah, I mean, it, it, it's a really bad reflection on the rest of the league that this could be wrapped up in record time. Maybe the earliest since United in in two thousand, possibly. Really bad reflection because so much money and so much talent is at the other clubs and, and Chelsea have put them to shame, I think. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I th I th it reflects well on Conte, but it does reflect yeah. appallingly on the others. Mm. Um, I, I'm not, I don't really count Spurs in there, really. No. I, I think Arsenal, City United, and even United have, yeah. have, have really let themselves down. Liverpool, Liverpool are evolving slowly, I think. Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's been fantastic to, to watch what Conte has, has has achieved and the progress he's instigated there. Because I don't think even he really anticipated it being like, quite like this. Um, I still think that there'll be one surprise result with Chelsea before the end of the season, but it won't affect them winning the title. Mm. That's theirs. Mm. We spoke mm. earlier about almost the big clubs competing for the same few elite players. We spoke about Manchester United. Griezmann, was it 14 goals yeah. this year so far? Yeah. £100 million, pounds, which wouldn't bother Man United no, at all. I'd probably like it. Would United's current status be attractive to a player like Griezmann? Yeah, I, 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 I think so. I think United still have a cachet um, that, that, that allows... But maybe, you know, when, what I said about Real Madrid and Barca probably applies to them, that it's irrelevant to where they are. They still have that, that cachet. I think they... I've got a fair chance of getting into the Champions League anyway through the Europa mm. League mm. 
route. They've been working on Griezmann for so long and we've been talking about transfers and transfer planning with the likes of Arsenal and City. I think the lesson that Chelsea have given people is that you, you identify on targets and you work on these top transfers from a long, long way out and United have been doing that with Griezmann. All the noises, all the things point to, to him, him being there. Mm. Um, it's a what else they do. There's a human dimension to it, isn't there, Dom? Because you know, he's close friends with Paul Pogba. Mm. You'd imagine that every time he gets an opportunity, it's hmm. come on over with me, chap. Yeah, that'll come into it, I guess. Uh, they are they are tight, but then <laughs> if you believe the quotes, he doesn't like the thought of much the weather over here, particularly <laughs> no. in, in Manchester. <laughs> he is a player that's always played his professional football in Spain, isn't he? Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it will be a bit of a a, a contrast for him uh, next year if he does come come over. But that's that's by the by. I think he he will uh, he would fit in at Manchester United. He would be the the new talisman to, to take up the reins from, from Zlatan and in time, and, and, and he's obviously a quality player. Weather never, never stops from signing, though, does it? No, it's true. <laughs> Food and weather, they talk about it. Never well, the ink doesn't dry, dry on <laughs> no. the jet, does it? <laughs> <laughs> what, what about uh, you know, United's current state? Mm. How far are they off being the team that Mourinho thinks he can produce? Quite a way, I think, actually. In a funny way, I've been impressed with him being able to manage against type because it, it's it's more the sort of physical profile of that United team than anything else. You know, we know Mourinho likes athleticism, power, strength, uh, speed, and there's ageing players in, in that United team. Obviously, he brought one of them, but elsewhere, there's sort of slow, very un-Mourinho-like, but skillful, delicate players like your Juan Matas. It's a midfield that's just not a Mourinho midfield at all. Um, so I, I, I think there's a lot for him to do, actually, to, to make it the kind of team that he wants. And it's interesting that Griezmann's been the focus of so much because, actually, I think for, for it to become a Mourinho team, what you'd expect is the likes of a Bakayoko from, mm. from Monaco and, and other players of that type to, to come in and give him that platform. And that, 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 Unless he really is serious about becoming a different manager, which I don't think he is. Mm. What about James Rodriguez? You, know, he, you look at him and there's a lot of talk about linking him with Liverpool. Is he a United player in waiting? <laughs> I don't see it. Um, James Rodriguez at the World Cup just seemed like a phenomenal talent that was uh, destined to sort of light up the Bernabeu and... and, and and be a you know a, a player upon you know Colombia could hinge everything mm. could revolve around him for years to come. It's all gone a bit flat since yeah. then. Um, I, I think if he came to England now, it, it would almost I don't want to say damaged goods, but it, his reputation wouldn't be quite as mm. seamless as, as as he imagined it would have been. And I don't really see where he fits into the Premier League. No, um, I agree with that. I'm not sure he's got the physicality or the, the energy to his game. He's, he's, a, he's a nice player. He's obviously capable of great things, as we saw in Brazil. But um, I don't see him as a Premier League player in waiting. And uh, the cost that he would you know, come with him doesn't seem like a natural fit. Mm. He, doesn't, he doesn't work off the ball very much. No. You know, Ranieri had him at Monaco and really fought with him to, to try and put a shift in, which he did briefly, but <laughs> that's, that, that's been his issue at Real Madrid, so that's not a Premier League player. Mm. You can't see him fitting in at Liverpool or a team like no, that way. No. Everybody's got to work. And not at all. That doesn't, doesn't fit. Mm. What about United? It looks like they've got the hardest running of the, of the top mm. six. Midweek, uh, Wednesday week, they've got Everton and a BT Sport live yeah. game 
That'll tell us a lot about them, won't it? It will. Um, they'll be put under a lot of pressure by Everton's intensity. And funnily enough, that you know they've, they've got a little door is open to get them into the top four at the very time that they've got this bad fixture run and they've got so many fixtures because of, because of Europe. I think th there'll come a point where Mourinho might just completely prioritise Europe to try and get in that Champions League spot. But at the moment, they've got to try and win those games. I, 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 I just agree, Mike, you know, that, that, that Everton are one of the worst sort of possible teams for United to play at the moment with their, with their intensity and youth and, and, and speed and so on. I think it could pose a problem for them. Mm. Everton in a bit of a transitional period. You know, we spoke about Lukaku being touted for Chelsea. Mm. Uh, a lot of talk about Ross Barkley maybe even turning up at, at, at Tottenham. They can't afford to be seen as a selling club, can they? No, I agree. I, I think it would send out completely the wrong message if they lost Lukaku in the summer. It's not what uh, new ownership um, would want out there. Uh, it's not the image that they would want. Mm. They should go out their way to make sure that Barclays tie down to new terms. He, he can be a sort of icon of that club, a local lad made good. If they pursue a Wayne Rooney as well, then, then brilliant. I think actually that would... Whether he'd walk into the, the first team, I'm not sure, mm. but, but I think having him around the place would be beneficial. And yeah, they are a club that's looking to progress. They're obviously the great news on the stadium front mm. as well. Um, but it's a key time for them. And it's, it's strange with Koeman, Ronald Koeman because he, he spent much of last summer trying to recruit players that were Premier League ready. Mm. And then obviously Schneiderlin comes in in the, in the mid-season mid and Lutman as well, who's obviously there for the future. He's got to balance what, how they progress next. Because I, I do think... If, they, if, they, if there's an impatience there, and, and there always is with Ronald yeah, Koeman, he will continue to buy in the 27-year-old, 28-year-old players that have done it at the Premier League, but they will come at a premium now. I mean, it really will come at a premium yeah. in the summer. So he, he's got to strike some kind of balance. And to be honest, I'd like Everton to, to get some kind of long-term commitment from the management as well to make sure that he doesn't suddenly disappear off, as he has been prone to do over his managerial career as well. Mm, that tells you, mm. he is a short-term manager, yeah. isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think Everton's idea is to, is to go down the Spurs route to a certain extent, mm. but of course what Spurs have got is, is the manager above all else, all others in the Premier League that buys into the, the youth and the growing your own, the producing your own sort of identity. Mm. And of course, Koeman is at odds with that. Um, it is a club that's trying to jump at the moment to, to, to become a serious player again which is why they're interested in Rooney because they want to be seen to be the new owner wants to be in that market mm. um, but are you are you buying there a player or a DVD of past hits well <laughs> you may be buying uh, status uh, as much as a player I think mm. that's what's in the in their minds uh, Koeman's not averse to the idea because Koeman as Dom said is in a hurry so he wants to make that jump as well. He wants top players uh, and, and the mentality that they bring as well as what they bring on the pitch. But I think he's, he, he's not against it, but he, he would need a bit of convincing. I mean, the owner would be right up for it because it makes Everton sort of big again. I still think it's there for Rooney if he really wants it, but he's going to have to do better than he's done recently. He's going to have to be the old Rooney to, to justify it. Mm. Isn't, though, Dom, opportunity hiding in plain sight here? Because... David Unsworth is doing a great development job with that under-23 team. You know, the kids are coming in. Um, you've, we've had Tom Davis break through, Calvert-Lewin. Um, Holgate, uh, it looks like he's going to take over from Seamus mm -hmm. Coleman. They've got a good youth system. Use it. 
Yeah, they have, but but they're they're now sort of in that position that a lot of you know elite clubs find themselves in, where they have a lot of very promising, very promising young players, but they also have an urgency to to be to remain amongst that elite. In fact, it's worse with them because they're trying yeah. to break into that, um, and there, there won't be a level of trust in those young players, certainly amongst the management. Yeah. It just won't just won't be there. That these guys are obviously great talents for the future. But Everton need them now. They need them firing. They need to be able to rely on them now to get them into that top top four, top five, top six. Um, it's the same same dilemma we confront with Chelsea and, and an academy team that just wipes the floor with everybody at youth team level virtually every year. Uh, and yet, how many of those guys actually break into the first team picture? Mm. That's, that's why it's so important keeping Lukaku and Barkley because they're young players still mm. as well. So if you want this young blueprint. You've got two that are actually top players already. You really need to... And it won't be for lack of trying, by the way, if, if they move. They're Everton are trying, but it will be uh, a, a real blow to that blueprint if they leave in, in a mm. couple of sentences. I mentioned Seamus Coleman's absence. Let's look back at that yeah. tackle by Neil Taylor. What about the notion that he's not that type of player? Are we, should we be beyond that type of characterisation? Yeah, we should. I, I, I just find it an irrelevant comment, actually, because, you know, you could say that my dog's never bit somebody until it does. You know, well, it's bit you now, so mm. it is that type of dog. It's, you know, he, he's done that tackle. I remember, I'm an Aberdeen fan, uh, and our Neil Simpson committed a dreadful foul on, on Ian Durant that more or less finished his career. Simpson had never done that in his life, but he, but he did it. So whatever Neil Taylor's intentions were, I think are irrelevant. What, what, what is relevant was the temperature that was raised around that game and you know the, the impact that it's going to have on, on Seamus Coleman and he shouldn't come into it whether he's a nice bloke or not that did the tackle. It's sort of born of the, it sort of feels as like if it's born of the Roy Keane, Alfie Inge Harland incident maybe. isn't it and, and people can point oh Keane was, was that type of player <laughs> mm. <laughs> but, but you're right it's just it's utterly utterly meaningless it I mean, it was even, you can have a clumsy tackle yeah. No intent, but it can still end someone's career. Yeah. Do you believe in harsher punishment? It's difficult. I think the contrast on this one is that most poignant because you've got um, Tyrone Mings getting a five-match yeah. ban for something which I just don't, mm. I don't think you can prove intent at all. Uh, it could have been an accident, and he's got five games. Neil Taylor will get three. Um, for something that's going to keep Coleman out for what six, yeah, seven months at least, at mm. least, yeah. Um, but it's, it, I think it's it's impossible really to. You certainly can't have this. You can't have this thing where you, the player is banned whilst his victim is, is yeah. in rehabilitation. I mean, that, 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 that doesn't that work at all? Um, so I suppose the system is what it is, and it's probably the best thing we've got. Um, three matches at international level. Take you out for eight months, yeah, can't it? Quite a lot, isn't it? Mm. What about the intensity? We're talking about intensity of mm. combat, if you like, mm. at club level. That's usually defined by a Merseyside derby, which we've got <laughs> yes. on the yes. resumption. Who's got most to lose at Anfield on Saturday, Liverpool or Everton? I think Liverpool, certainly. Everton are in kind of bonus territory this season. You know, they're, they're, doing, they're doing great, um, really, compared to expectations. Um, Liverpool are the team that have got it there, the top four has been there all season and they haven't secured it without having the distraction of Europe and so on. We all know why they haven't because they've lost too many games to the, the bottom teams in, in the league um, and they have to win this one. 
Uh, it's, in a way, it almost feels like a free hit for Everton. They haven't won there since 1999 as well. So there's low expectation for them and Liverpool have got a lot riding on it because, as I mentioned, Manchester United are the team that, that could take over from in, them in that top four. So, uh, yeah, I, th I, I think it's big for them. Mm. In theory, though, Liverpool have got the best run-in of the lot. I think Everton are the last hmm. top seven opponent they've got. But, but their yeah. problem, as you say, has always been what they do to teams in, in lower mid-table and, and yeah. beyond. Um, you know, they can, they can look attacking and enterprising at, at Manchester City and utterly, utterly gummy and yeah. toothless at, at uh, Hull City. I mean, it, it may, that's, that's the team they are. It's, it's, it must be infuriating for Klopp. I mean, they want intensity. That's Liverpool try to create intensity in a game so that they can win that game. And where they struggle is, is the, the smaller team that comes in and, and comes in to, to, to sit there and, and take the heat out of a game. Um, that, that's where Liverpool are going to struggle. And, um, and and they'll continue to, I think, this season because they haven't quite got the right blend. Mm, you know, Liverpool, their weaknesses were exposed earlier in the season at Bournemouth, weren't they? Now, they're, they're playing mm. Bournemouth again um, in nine, ten days' mm. time. Bournemouth have got Southampton again on the BT Sport game on Saturday. Is that a true derby? It's a derby for Bournemouth fans, I think. I think if you ask them, they, whenever I've spoken to them about about that particular fixture, they've they've been quite het up with it. Um, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure the uh, Southampton fans feel the same way. I think they probably gravitate more towards Portsmouth. Um, but derbies have that. I mean, that happens all up and down the country, doesn't it? I mean, Charlton fans consider mm. Crystal Palace a derby, but I don't think Palace fans do. Um, it's 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 one of those. It's it's a it's a good fixture. Um, an intense fixture, um, and Bournemouth. Bournemouth have had that little revival now, haven't they? They're, 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 they should be okay. Yeah, they should yeah. be fine. They should be fine. Those, those two wins have have really helped them out. Um, also, the two performances have really helped them out. But, um, and all stemming from the, a fine point at, at Old Trafford, really. Yeah, that's right. Um, and they can they can now work on <laughs> making sure that some of those. That swathe of signings that, that, that uh, Eddie Howe instigated last summer are now ready to kick on next season because they haven't really kicked on mm. this. It's been, that's been the one disappointment about Bournemouth. They've spent an awful lot of money on those players, haven't really uh, adapted adequately as yet. But I think, I think Howe is convinced that in the long term they will work and that next season they'll be a stronger team for, for what's mm. happened this. What do you think we've learned, Johnny, about Eddie Howe this season? Well, we... We've learned that he's, he's a young manager because he has made a few, I think, mistakes. Dom mentioned the signings. He's maybe signed too many, wrong profile player. But we've also learned he's, how impressive he is. We knew that already. But some of the football he's played, the way he's handled the adversity, he's been very steadfast, very focused. You've seen his character, his grit there. Um, he comes out of the season as a whole in the credit side. I just think maybe what we've learned is that had... Maybe an Arsenal answered the call to install Eddie Howe last season. He might not quite have been ready for it. He's maybe still a year or two away from the top job, but the more I save him, the more I think he is on that trajectory. Mm. Management, you know, as we know, is a, a fashion game, isn't it? What do you make of uh, Pochettino being spotted in Barcelona? LAUGHTER <laughs> um. Coincidence? <laughs> I don't. He's not. Doesn't come across as a particularly naive person, does no. he? Um, so I suspect he probably knew exactly what he was doing. Um, 
there is a friendship there, isn't there? Yeah. I, I'd be surprised if, if Pochettino, with his Espanol connections, ever ever landed at, mm. at Camp Nou um, in a managerial role. But it's it's. I don't know. I think it does his reputation just just to, just to keep it out there yeah. that you know he is. He's one of those hello mum friends in high yeah. yeah. places, isn't he? Yeah. Um, and you know, we'll keep Daniel Levy honest, um, <laughs> and we'll see where that goes. Maybe, maybe we'll have Pochettino dressed in a suit with a <laughs> signing Pochettino in a tracksuit for a new contract. <laughs> a nice photograph in the in the future because it is one of those. He's, he's done a, he's done a wonderful job yes. at, at Spurs and continues to do so. And, and that there is a club that's progressing. Um, in a very, in, 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 you know, as the manager would want it to do, and he, he'll want to be in situ at Spurs in the new redeveloped stadium and benefiting mm. from, from everything that, that that stadium will bring. Mm. Do you see Luke Shaw being part of that future? I'd be surprised, in all honesty. But Well, I'd be surprised in terms of where he is on the pitch. Not, not his profile, young English talent. Of course, it's what Spurs like. He's still young; he's twenty-one, isn't he? He is, and, and and you know they're interested in Ross Bartley for similar reasons. But what I mean is, you know, he's nowhere near Danny Rose at the moment. I think he's gone backwards, quite obviously, from from when he joined Manchester United. And if Spurs are looking at the next step, which is progressing to to challenge for titles and so on, I'm not. I'm just not sure that one makes sense for me. Mm -hmm. I think Luke Shaw probably needs to go back. A further level and, and, and rebuild his career. I think he's been so far off at this last couple of years at United. I, I agree on that. I think I think there were there were opportunities for Luke Shaw to join middle of the road yeah. Premier League clubs in January yeah. on loan, even yeah. just to play regular football for six months. Yeah. Um, and he wasn't keen. Yeah. And I think come the summer, if Jose Mourinho has made clear that he's he's not going to be first choice at Old Trafford, then he should he should. Um, He's one that, from a United point of view, they maybe need to to, to look at a long loan rather than selling. Yeah, and maybe, yeah. They maybe need to have a bit of faith in their own what they saw in them originally. A bit like I guess Chelsea did with Victor Moses and gave him three or four years. And oh, and Spurs for Danny Rose. Exactly. So you know, if, if you put if you put Luke Shaw back to Southampton for two years, that that might actually make sense, and then take him at twenty three again, mm. and that will give them. Um, scope to actually plunder Southampton even more, <laughs> won't it? Yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Always good. What, what about uh, at the weekend, it's, it's Burnley Spurs. Be a lot of focus after the international break on Michael Keane. Mm. He really impressed there. Is he one of these players who actually, whose career will accelerate because of international exposure? Possibly. I think his career was going to accelerate anyway. I'd, I'd be surprised if, if bigger clubs didn't come in for him in the summer, and, and regardless of the fact whether he played those two games with England. And, and that's that sounds harsh on Burnley, because mm. I think Burnley's done a wonderful job with him, and he's done brilliantly for them, um, and they've obviously had a fantastic season. Um, but I, th I actually wonder whether him getting that taste of international football might actually end up working against Burnley in some ways. You often see players going off with England squads and... Even just being around players at elite clubs, chatting, chatting to them, you know, the next thing they know that they're agitating for for moves elsewhere. And I think, I mean, Keane needed that job to Burnley and to play regular mm. games because after United, um, but he has proved that he's he's got proper quality, he's proper pedigree, um, and there will be clubs that, that try and do what Leicester did last yeah. last summer and, and prize him away. It'd be whether you know Burnley are strong enough to resist. Mm. I think we'd be kidding ourselves if we didn't know a few, that a few managers maybe had a quiet word with some of their England internationals and said, just 
have a word and tell him how much we love him. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> I think all of them now, I think he'll be knocking on his door, he'll be turning them away, yeah. I mean, he is a level-headed lad. He's a, he's a, he's a very... We spoke to him after the game in Germany. He's, a, he's articulate, intelligent, nice lad. Had a good training, good apprenticeship. So I'd expect him to have a lot of choice in the summer and, and, and have a big decision to make, but he's got the... I guess the intelligence or perspective to make the right decision. I think he'll almost have perhaps both Manchester clubs, Liverpool, maybe even some a London choice in there as well. Um, and it's where he'll develop best. Will be the next thing. Mm. And I think, yeah, to take your point earlier, Dom, I think we've got to praise Sean Dyche for actually oh, yeah. bringing him on. Do you think that you know going forward, someone like Keane could evolve into the sort of defender that maybe? Almost John Stones has been touted as modern, great distribution, you know, good on the ball, uh, but also he's got that added dimension, what I would call the Sean Dyche dimension. He can kick it and head it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there was a moment in the game yesterday uh, where he played the most glorious crossfield pass from deep yeah. uh, out to the right wing. And, and we Walk, all sort of, Walker controlled it yeah, fantastically. It was, it was yeah. great. It was, it was yeah. a build-up to the Lalana chance, right. wasn't it? And yeah. He, um, there was, a, there was a, a double take in the press box. I mean, this is going to sound bad, but it was like, oh, did John Stones play that pass? And then we look back on the replay. Oh, no, it's, it was Keane. It was Keane. And this is, this, is a, this is a player with that in his locker. He can do that. You know, he's got the, pro the proper quality in there. He, he made mistakes. He made mistakes in, in Dortmund last week, which almost let in Sane. So, look, it's part of a development path, but um, he has got something about him. Yes. And it's promising, because it's not that long ago that we were worried about where the next England centre-half was coming from. Yeah. And, and yet Keane has emerged this season as a, as a regular in the Premier League who, who more than you know, justifies his inclusion. There's Ben Gibson as well at Middlesbrough, we shouldn't forget. He's, he's done equally well in a struggling team, but a team that doesn't see around many And problems. also another one will be on the market in the summer yeah, absolutely. without any danger. Absolutely. Who else has impressed you in, over the last week with England? Well, Deli Ali continues to, to just look like a, a top, top player with so much ahead of him. Um, you'd have to say Jermaine Defoe impresses you. Uh, everything else off the pitch has been celebrated but that enduring ability to sniff out a goal move and, and, and finish with clarity He barely touched the ball before he scored didn't he? I think he had, did he have six touches I read or something yeah, like that yeah. only one man of the match out of it and that kind of almost sums up Jermaine Defoe um, I thought uh, I thought Bertrand's had quite a good week actually you know cemented himself as as a proper option and, and John Stones, you know, John Stones is, is looks like he's he's starting to come through his rough times. So quite a lot of positives for England, but big big glaring flaw for England, I think, central midfield, um, which we saw yesterday. Lack of quality, lack of creativity in there. I thought we saw that in Germany as well. And going forward, that's the that's the worry for Gareth Southgate. But that was. That, that was he could have done something about that. He I mean, could. I was so surprised that Barkley got no minutes in exactly. mm. in, in those two matches. I mean, Oxlade Chamberlain, for, for all that he had been, he had improved a bit at Arsenal in terms of playing played centrally, and he had a few games where he thought there's something about him there. But that was that was a bizarre selection. Um, he could have played against Lithuania. He could yeah. have played Dyer sitting with with Barkley closest to him. Yeah. Um, I suppose he looks at Southgate looks at it and wonders whether he can have a team with Barkley, Lalana, and Eli Ali in it. But I think that was an opportunity, and and he missed he missed out basically. I think I think Southgate would look back with some regret that he didn't give Barkley an opportunity in those games. Mm. Overall, how how do you think he's settling in as as England manager, Johnny? Yeah, modern, 
empathetic, you know, call me Gareth, all that yeah. stuff. Very good in terms of the, the tone, the culture, the things he wants to work on, you know. But also, I think he's made, by and large, good decisions, sensible decisions. The substitutions were the right ones yesterday. The, the foe was the right pick. Michael Keane, his, his spot. I think England have gone forward under Southgate. Sam Allardyce, we don't know what would have happened, but that one game didn't make me think it was going to be a revolution or anything like that. And I think Roy Hodgson got very, very confused by the pressure of the job. So I think Gareth's brought some clarity to the decision-making. It's just, let's be careful about building it up as, as another dawn for England, because you know we, we all know what, what happens when we do that. But encouraging signs. Mm. What about the approach to the captaincy? I think that's great in terms of, let's just dismiss it as you know, almost an irrelevance. Do you think he's set the tone in the right way there? Yeah, I think he's taken some very brave decisions already, yeah. the captaincy being one of them. The omission of Wayne Rooney, regardless of injury, but you can go back to Slovenia, um, where he didn't play. Omitting um, Theo Walker on the basis of some poor, poor performances yeah. in the autumn, I thought was a good, brave decision. Southgate has spoken very well as well. He's been yeah. brutally honest with where England are. The stuff in the build-up to the Germany game where he was just saying, you know, we've, this is a team that's won th was it three knockout matches in 20-odd years, 25 years, something daft. I mean, if any other manager had said that, if Sam Allardyce had said that, even Rory Hodgson, I think it would have, it would have sent shockwaves around the game. I think in some ways Southgate suffers a bit because he is Gareth yeah. Southgate and he's, he's not a big name manager but everything he's he's said has has hit the right note I think so far um, well he's off the system isn't he yeah and, and I think I don't I don't think that you have to be a, a top expert to be a good manager but I think we're actually seeing the benefits with Gareth because he can yeah. speak about these past failings with real authority because he's been on the pitch and he can connect with the, the young players in his squad because of that and you're right Mike he's been part of the, the planning system that the FA have, have tried to have so there's a lot of reason he's got a lot in his locker that let's say Sam Allardyce and, mm. and Roy Hodgson didn't that he's bringing the job because that experience as a past player you know I've spoken to him about the fear factor and he admitted that he felt it in the end at England level will that personal experience come in handy this time well, around you'd like to think so he's probably got more experience of tournaments, even if we're talking about him being a UEFA yeah, observer yeah. Than, than anybody else in the setup, which is also it's the other string to his bow, yeah. basically. I mean, he's, there's a lot about him that, that makes sense in, in, in the role. And, you know, mm. he has started promisingly, yeah. let's be honest. Um, mm. But the, the, the truer test will, will come. I think he, you know, everything about those two matches we've just seen was, was eminently predictable. Mm. Even the the performance in Dortmund, which you just felt as if they, they looked good. They knew they were going to look good because they always look good when they play in Germany. OK, they lost this time, but yeah. that, that, that in itself felt sort of vaguely typical. Yeah. You know, you play very well, lose to the Germans. And then Lithuania at home, yeah, it's, it, just, it was just a stereotypical England uh, qualifier at Wembley. Win the game comfortably, not entirely impressively, but, mm -hmm. but then acknowledge the flaws and talk about, you know, developing and progressing. And... Hopefully, hopefully now we're on the right path. Um, I've liked what I've seen so far. Yeah. But that does beg the final question, really. You know, the Premier League's going to come back, and it'll come back with a bang. The fixtures have guaranteed that yeah. pretty much, haven't they? Where does that leave international football? Mm. 
Well, I know my sports editor's doing cartwheels because the Premier League's back. I think we'll suffer from the news <laughs> vacuum. Um, I think international football is, is where it is. It's more than ever tournament-based in terms of public interest. And they do, I think they need to reform the qualifying system. I don't think they're going to either, but ideally they would just take out some of the, the less relevant games, shall we say, and give it, give it an edge. I think, I think what England have done well recently is at least have proper, meaningful friendlies mm. so that we don't have two kind of dreary games in a cycle like this. But uh, thank, thank goodness this last international break's over from a newspaper point of view. You agree with that, Dom? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it gets to me in the autumn in particular where yeah. you, you want the momentum going in the, in the domestic competition and, and it's just ke- the interruptions are constant. There are three interruptions usually uh, with international football, but... I, I can't see it changing. I'd love there to be a summer qualification tournament yeah. where you just, every other year, you, you qualify, you play, it might be a group of five, you play four matches, and that, that is a problem. You, your qualification for a major finals hinges upon that, but it won't happen. And England, would, England wouldn't be ever qualified. <laughs> <laughs> be <laughs> well, there are too many turgid qualifying matches, not enough quality. No wonder the club game is the only game in town. Thanks for joining us here on the Football Writers Podcast. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.